Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much um, just for this opportunity to be here, um, this privilege to be here um, as a congregation um, to gather to worship you this morning. Lord, I confess that I am I'm pretty distracted this morning, and I know I'm probably not the only one in here um, who can say that. Lord, I pray that you would be with us um, as we are just a, prone to be distracted, whether it's good things, whether it's sinful things. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to be all in this morning. Um, in the worship service and, and the, the preaching to come, Lord, I pray that you would help us to pay attention and to take to heart uh, what Pastor Steve is going to present from us uh, from your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with Pastor Steve, that you would help him to recall what he studied this week, and that um, we would both be, as a congregation, be convicted um, and encouraged uh, where you want us to be convicted and encouraged. Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. I like that uh, in his prayer, Kyle mentioned uh, being distracted. I, um, I, uh, I, I like this psalm um, for its repetition. It repeats itself. You, maybe you heard it while Kyle was, while Kyle was reading, um, that, the, that the Lord will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep you. Six times it's mentioned in the psalm. I remember when I was... Um, when I was uh, first married, and by that I mean, oh, the first 17, 18 years I was married, um, uh, I, would, I would be in conversation with my wife, and, um, and she would be getting to the point in the conversation where she was going to ask me to do something, to, to help her with something, or to, to, to take care of something, or something like that, and I zoned out. Um, as I am prone to do, and I start thinking about uh, whatever you know, pepper, pepperoni or bacon. What's best on a pizza? Something, something very important. You know, I start. I, my mind is thinking about other things, and um, and then I hear her say, "So you you're going to do that?" Yes, yes, I am. And then I just kind of hope that from like the context or the rest of my life, I'll just figure out what it was she asked me to do, and I just kind of hope for the best. Um, now. I just say, I'm sorry, I zoned out. What did you say? So you can ask her. Probably once a week, I say, I'm really sorry. I zoned out. I started thinking about pizza again. Can you just, can you just repeat that? I'm uh, sorry. So I, I need things repeated. Maybe we all do. Maybe most of us do. I don't know. I need, need, need things repeated. So I'm thankful this psalm is a, is a repeating kind of psalm, isn't it? He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel We'll neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I think the psalmist is trying to make a point. The Lord is your keeper. 
He keeps us. He protects us. He gives us strength. He watches over us. He is our shepherd. He keeps us. And if you don't catch it the first time, you got five more chances to hear that the Lord is your keeper. And this is not just in this psalm. This is a theme throughout Scripture, isn't it? The Lord keeping us. Maybe my favorite New Testament passage that speaks to this is, is Jude 24 and 25. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. The Lord is my keeper. He is your keeper. He keeps us from stumbling. He is the one who will present us blameless in the presence of His own glory with great joy. The Lord is the one who keeps us. So what we're going to look at this morning in just a minute is we're going to see from this psalm how He does this. It's very interesting, isn't it? We, we, we believe that the Lord keeps us, but we want to know, it's very interesting to us, how does He do it? So we're going to see that in a minute. But before we do, we have to say something incredibly important. There's, there's something that we just have to have in our minds going forward, and, and that is this. Please listen, because the rest, if you don't get this, the rest of the sermon won't matter. Here's the thing we have to have at the, at the outset. The Lord does not keep everyone. The Lord is not everyone's keeper. Even the name the Lord teaches us that. The, the Lord, that's Yahweh, that's, that's Israel's covenant name for God. That's the name in the Old Testament that only the people of God could call Him. He is not everyone's keeper. He's not. Jude spells that out, doesn't it? Jude Jude says that the one who keeps us, He keeps us through Jesus Christ. The Lord having this keeping relationship with us, the Lord being our keeper, it only happens through Jesus. We can only truly belong to God through Jesus Christ. Not everyone belongs to God. God is not everyone's Father. He is not everyone's Keeper. He is not everyone's protector. There are people who are on the outside. The only people who are in are in through Jesus Christ. We must be born again by the work of God's grace alone. We must be given faith to turn to Christ alone for salvation. We must believe His Gospel that Christ died for the sins we have committed. And, and we can only be forgiven through Jesus because He suffered in our place. If you've never believed the Gospel of God's grace, by God's grace, then the Lord is not your keeper. So we have to say that at the beginning. The glorious thing here is, if you are in Christ this morning, if you do believe His Gospel, then this psalm, all of its fullness, is for you. If you are in Christ, then the Lord is your keeper. So, so let's look very carefully at this psalm to answer the question, what does that mean? How does the Lord keep us? So we're going to look at this psalm and we're going to see five ways the Lord keeps us. The sermon this morning. Five ways the Lord keeps us. So let's dig into it. Number one, first way the Lord keeps us is, is, is here. Number one, by filling creation with hills. By filling creation with hills. 
Verse 1 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? So what we, we're, we're working through the songs of ascent this summer, right? One by one. One song of ascent after another. And, and these were songs that Old Testament believers, as they were headed to Jerusalem for the feast, for the festivals, like, like going for Passover or something like that. These are the songs they would sing as they were traveling to Jerusalem. Alright? They were headed to the work, to the temple to worship with God's people in God's place. It was a, it was a time they were looking forward to being near the presence of God in the temple and, and fellowshipping with other saints. It was a glory, it was, it was all kinds of anticipation. It was exciting, but the, the trip was dangerous. It was through the hills. If you're gonna go to Jerusalem, you gotta go through the hills. And the hills were a great place for robbers and for criminals to hide and then to wait for unsuspecting travelers and to spring out on them and to beat them and to take their money and their possessions and leave them for dead. The, the hills just created danger. The hills brought anxiety. It's fascinating because what the rest of this psalm says is that God is the maker of heaven and earth. God is the maker of heaven and earth. God designed those hills. If God wanted His pilgrims to have a, a stress-free trip to Jerusalem, He could have deleted the hills from the landscape. He could have made it uh, this nice, flat walk with, with no scary nothing. Could have been good. Nice flat topography for the trip to Jerusalem. If he wanted to design roadways where there was no nowhere for, for criminals to hide, he could have done that. But he filled the trip with hills. Maybe you've noticed in your own life, you have some causes for anxiety. You have some things up ahead that you're not sure about, that you're worried about. You have things in the present right now you're not sure about, you're, you're worried about. It's fascinating that the maker of heaven and earth would fill our earthly trip with hills. Why does he do this? Well, the end of verse 1 says, doesn't it? From where does my help come? We need to say, where does my help come from? We need to have that on our lips. Whether we realize it or not, we all desperately need help. Whether, whether we see the hills in our life or not, we need to know, we need to carry around with us that we need help. And when the Bible talks about help, the Bible doesn't talk about it in ways that we normally talk about it. When I think of help, I think of the, the many times where, where you guys have uh, have come over to my house and helped me. I, I need help in various ways, right? You've, you've helped me with my furnace or my fridge or cutting down a dead tree or replacing my roof. You've, you've helped me and you've, you've saved me a lot of money. You've, you've saved me a lot of time. Um, you, you've saved me on a lot of stress. You've made my life better, but you haven't saved my life. If you hadn't helped me, I would still be alive. I'd be stressed out. I'd be tired. I would, I would have probably, um, I had a lot more frustrating conversations with my family and 
with, um, I, would have, I, would have be, I would be poorer than I am now. So you helped me, for sure. But when the Bible talks about help, the Bible means someone is keeping you alive. This psalm is going to say in a few verses, someone to keep my life. When the Old Testament saints cried out to God for help, they cried out to Him for life. One of the things that the Bible teaches us, and we routinely forget it, is that God is the one who keeps us alive. Whether, whether we have anything in our life that feels threatening or not, day by day, moment by moment, we need God to keep us alive. Paul says that it's in God that we live and breathe and have our being. We exist because God keeps us alive. Colossians teaches us that, that through Jesus Christ, everything consists. Like our, our bodies don't dissolve because Jesus is holding us together. Our, our lungs have, have oxygen because God gives it to us. It'd be really good right now for you just to kind of take a quick look around the room and imagine everybody on a ventilator. Because that's where we are. We are all on borrowed oxygen. We are all on life that is being given to us. None of us are keeping ourselves alive. And so these hills are really, really good. Because they remind us of that. Doesn't make us, doesn't make it any less or more true. It just keeps us in contact with that truth. It helps us to recall that truth. Helps us think the way we need to think. Because the moment, the moment we stop remembering that God is the one who keeps us alive, that's the moment that we start to get derailed in our hearts, in our minds, in all kinds of goofy, sinful ways. It is good for us to remember that the Lord is the one who helps us. We need help. He is the one who helps us. So God reminds us of this by giving us hills. By giving us things that cause us a little bit of panic. A little bit of worry. A little bit of anxiety. A little bit of, oh yeah, I need help. He fills His creation with hills. Second way the Lord keeps us, the second way the Lord keeps us is by teaching us creation logic. By teaching us creation logic. Verse 1 and 2, I lift up my, my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So it wouldn't be super kind if God just kind of gave us things to be panicky about. That's not kindness. If He just pointed out that we needed help, And it wouldn't be all that reassuring if he just said, I'll help you. But once we take in the fact that he's the one who made heaven and earth, that's when you can really start to get some peace and some some joy and some comfort in your life. That's what creation logic is all about. Creation logic says, if the hills are scary, which they are, If the hills are scary, then the only one we can truly trust is the one who made them. That's that's, that's what verses 5 and 6 are saying. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. 
The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. How can you be sure that the sun, in all of its, in, in all of its fierceness, is not going to destroy you? How is it that the sun has not destroyed you? Because God Himself shades you. And if God shades you and shields you from the sun, He also shades you and shields you from anything that happens under the sun. God Himself shades you. That's creation logic. The hills are scary, so the only one I can truly trust is the one who made them. That is why the disciples, they they freaked out before the storm, and then they freaked out after the storm. You remember they're in the boat with Jesus, and the storm, they really think that storm is going to be the end of them. They think the storm is going to take them down. And so they ask Jesus, they beg Jesus, they cry out for Jesus to help them, and then He helps them by telling the storm to quiet down, and the storm does it. The storm obeys. Creation obeys its Creator. And then they're more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. They said, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey Him? He is the one who made heaven and earth. He is the only one who can help. I am not a science person. Um, When I was in junior high and high school, I did as much work in science as would let me stay eligible to play sports. So whatever that was, that's as much interest and as much hard work as I put into science class and math class I just don't care. I don't care. One of the things I've been taught in various ways since high school is that every Christian should be very interested in creation. Every Christian should be curious about creation. Every Christian should be interested in creation. uh, Because the more we understand creation, the... um, the bigger our Creator becomes in our minds. The more impressive He becomes in our minds. I googled this week the biggest known star in the universe. Its name is something like U.Y. Scooty. I don't know. I'm not a science person. I could be saying that incredibly wrong. Something like U.Y. Scooty. Um, that star is so big that you could fit the, the, the sun. I don't know if you've seen the sun in our solar system. It's pretty large. Um, you could actually fit a million of our planet Earths into our sun. You could fit five billion of our suns into this gigantic star. And you're like, I don't, help that, help, make, make that make sense to me. Like, show me like a, you know, a ratio. Like, is that like a bowling ball and a pebble or something? I don't know. You'd have to ask someone, again, I don't know, I don't understand science. I would, I would probably be so far off, I'm not even going to try, I'd be embarrassed. I know it's big. I know it's really, 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 really big. And I know God created it by speaking. So when we get to verse 7, and it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil, He will keep your life. That, that same Lord that, that spoke that star into existence by speaking is the one who's going to keep your life. When we read that, we think to ourselves, he, yeah, 
yes, yes, he, he can keep us. Creation logic says he can keep us. So that's the second way the Lord keeps us, by teaching us creation logic. Here's the third way. By, by giving us truth-speaking friends. There's an interesting pronoun change in verse 3. So the first two verses, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So this is one person singing this song, right? I'm not going to do that for you. You're welcome. I'm not going to sing. But you got one person singing the first two verses, but then you have someone else in verses 3 through 8, don't you? Because then there's someone coming alongside this pilgrim. you got a pilgrim saying, I'm, I'm headed for Jerusalem. I'm headed through the hills. It's going to be scary. I need help. The Creator is going to help me. So you got that sort of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I know God will be with me. And then verses 3 through 8, you have someone else talking now. Because then he says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. So it goes from I, my, to, to you and your. So someone else is coming along and saying, Yes. Someone else is coming along in this song and saying, yes, go for it. God is with you. God will keep you. Yes, the Lord will keep your life. He will keep your life from now and forevermore. It's, it's, this is a truth-speaking friend. God, God has built this into the way He inspired this psalm. He's built this for us. He's given us this rhythm. He's given us this, this sample. He's given us this example of, here's what Christians do for each other. One of them says, I, I, one of them says, and you know how we say these things sometimes, where we only half believe them. We're about to go through surgery, we're, we're going through a trial, we're going through a difficult time, and we, and we say, or we, maybe we lost our job, so we're looking for a new job, or, or whatever we, and we say, I know God is with me. This is scary, but I know God is with me, and, and I know He'll take care of me, and I know He's working all things out for, for His glory, and we say these things, but we only like half believe them. We say them because we know that they're true, but what we need is we need someone to come along and say, yeah, yep, you're right. Yes. Yes. Yes, go forward. Be obedient. Keep moving forward. The Lord will keep you. We need that truth-speaking friend to come alongside of us and say, yes. Yes. God is your keeper. He will be with you. He will get you home. He will do all things for His glory and for your joy. Yes! It's fascinating to me and it's very humbling to me that that one of the ways God keeps us is by giving us friends that tell us God is keeping us. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating to me. That the, that the God, I find it a little bit humbling and, and a little startling that the God who just kind of spoke humongous stars into existence has, has chosen to pour out His grace into the lives of His people through, through folks like you and me. Let's be those kinds of friends. That's the third way the Lord keeps us, by by giving us truth-speaking friends. Fourth, number four, fourth way God keeps us, the Lord keeps us by never falling asleep. Verses three and four, by never falling asleep. He will not let your foot be moved. He, He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber, slumber nor sleep. The Lord never sleeps. The Lord never sleeps. He never dozes off. He never gets drowsy. He never gets tired. The Lord never gets tired. Maybe you don't know this, but you and I get tired. If I, ever since I've been about 10th grade, if I go out and I shoot 10 free throws, I will make 7 or 8 of them. I, I will not make 9. I absolutely will not make 10. But I probably won't make 5 or 6 either. I'll probably make 7 or 8. This is kind of who I've been since 10th grade. If I go out to the basketball hoop and I shoot 100, I might make 70%. If I attempt 1,000 free throws, I'm not going to make 70% of them. Those last 500 free throws, (laughs) my average is going to go way down. Because I get tired. I get tired. We get tired. You and, you and I, because we are limited, we are physically limited, you and I can only do one thing at a time. We can only really do one thing at a time. We, we may say we're multitasking, we're really not. We're, we're, we're doing one thing at a time. God can do an infinite number of things at one time. I read that if you, um, if you call a bank, here's something, you want to be depressed this morning? Let me just share a little bit of... Let me, let me just share a little bit of something that'll just make you feel angry about the world, okay? I haven't done that in a while, and I think this is, this will be good. Um, if you call a bank, um, not, not like your local branch, your local branch is fine, but if you, if you call like First National Bank, you, you call their corporate headquarters, wherever that is, when your phone call goes in, your phone call is automatically connected to how much money you have in that bank. So you know, you, you know, you know when, you, uh, when you hear that little message, thank you for calling First National Bank. Your call is very important to us. Just please hold for the next available customer representative or whatever. You, your call is only important to them if you have a lot of money in the bank. It came out a couple years ago that banks, their, their computers, they, they, they will prioritize the people with the most money. If you have a lot of money in their bank... Your phone call will get answered first. You will go to the head of the line. So guess what? That's none of us, right? <laughs> we're, all, we're all waiting for 30 minutes like the rest of the slobs, right? And you say, oh, that's infuriating. Well, now people have to prioritize. We have to, right? Sure, it's, in, sure, it's, it's frustrating. Sure, first come, first serve. Sure, blah, blah, blah. But mm, we all prioritize, right? We have to. We have to. And, and we have to prioritize like the hours in our day. We, we have to say, I can do this today, but I can't do these other things. I have, I have time and energy and money for this, but I can't do this other stuff. The other stuff's got to wait. We, we can pay close attention to this one person and their issue and help them through that, but every, everybody else is going to have to wait. We're going to have to prioritize. Because we, we don't have the strength, we don't have the capacity, we can only do so much. It's good for us to stop and remember, that's not true of the Lord. You've never once reached out to Him and He put you on hold. And He kept you on hold because you, can't, you hadn't stored up enough treasure in heaven. Because you haven't done enough good deeds. 
oh, that's Steve. Well, I mean, he has not been as good or as faithful as he should have been. I'll just put him kind of at the end of the queue. He's going he's gonna to listen to the elevator music. He's going to be on hold, listening to weird 90s pop that's free, I guess, to play. He's going to listen to that while everybody else gets their prayer answered ahead of him. God doesn't do that because He's not like us. He doesn't get tired. The Lord never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord never gets tired. And here's something else. Because He never gets tired, also, He never gets tired of you. He never gets tired of you. I have people in my life um, that I love dearly, and I get tired of them. I wish that wasn't true of me. I wish I never got tired of the people I love. There are times, 10 o'clock at night, I'm just like, I can't. I, 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 I can't do it anymore. I can't, I, I can't do it anymore. Can we please just talk about this tomorrow? Can I, please just, can I please just go to bed and can we just try again tomorrow? I am exhausted. I love you, but right now it doesn't really feel like it. I'm tired. I'm tired. The reason we get tired of ourselves, the reason we get tired of each other is because we get tired. It's part of the reason. We get tired. God's not like that. If we're not careful, we project a bunch of goofy stuff onto God that's not His, that's not who He is. God never gets tired. If you are in Christ, He never gets tired of you. So that's the fourth way the Lord keeps us, by never falling asleep. Here's the fifth way. By bringing us home. Verses 7 and 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Some of us, when we read that verse, when we read verses like it, the Lord will keep us from all evil, we're just like, what? That's not true at all. That's not true at all. The Lord has not kept me from evil. Terrible things have happened to me. People have sinned against me. Sickness has wreaked havoc upon my life. Or, or, it's, or it's destroyed the lives of people I, I care about. Money troubles have just kind of come upon me from nowhere. The Lord has not kept me from evil. Lies. Well, let's be careful to know what Scripture means when it says this. Obviously, when we read the whole Bible, and the Bible can't possibly mean that we won't go through great difficulty. That's not the story of the Word of God for the life of the Christian at all. Obviously, we're going to go through great difficulty. So what does it mean that the Lord will keep you from all evil? I, 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 this, this sentence captures it perfectly, and I cannot for the life of me remember where I read it this week. I, I, I should have written it down at the time. I don't, I don't know who said this. So someone says this. It's not me. Someone out there is smart, and I stole it. So I'm, I don't know who it was. But 
But what it means is, a great way to keep this in our heads is this. It means that God will keep you from the intent of evil. God will keep you from the intent of evil. At the end of the book of Genesis, so someday, in our, we're reading the book of Genesis as we open our services, and someday we will be to the end. Um, I don't know when, but it's going to be a little while. But we're going to get to the end of it, and what we're going to see is we're going to see Joseph say to his brothers who had been horrifically cruel to him, who had brought down evil upon him, he's going to say to his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Here's the thing. When when Scripture says that God keeps us from all evil, what it means is that the evil, the, the hardship, the difficulty, the trials, cannot have the final say in the life of the Christian. In fact... If we, if we take 1 Peter into consideration, what we can know for sure is that even the worst trials, because God is our keeper, because God is our keeper, even the worst trials are actually good for us. So that the things that we hate most in our life are actually good for us. They're actually beneficial for us. First Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen. To an inheritance. So God has, God has caused us to be born again to an inheritance. We have an inheritance waiting for us that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance kept for us and we are being kept until we get to it. He is keeping an inheritance for us and He is keeping us until we get home. Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. If evil, hardship, calamity has come down upon you, you can rejoice as you go through this because you're going through this because it's, because it's necessary. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying? He's saying that the, that the evil that you're going through now, the calamity, the hardship that you're going through now is actually necessary and good, and, and in the end, it's going to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when, <laughs> so when we think about anything, because obviously, uh, Satan and his devils, they, they, they design all kinds of things to destroy us and to depress us and, and to cause us to despair. We, we recognize that anything the evil one designs to destroy us will in the end do nothing but serve God's good purposes. That's what it means that He keeps us. Anything the evil one designs to destroy us will in the end do nothing but intensify our eternal joy. The world and the flesh and the devil mean it for evil. God means it for good. 
This is what it means that God will keep you from all evil. The Lord will bring you home. I've never thought, at least I don't remember thinking much about verse 8. But this is, I mean, um, this has been something this week for me to think about. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Our lives are filled with a lot of going out and coming in. Um, one of the unwritten rules I break when I'm preaching is I talk too much about like myself and what I'm thinking. And so there's a lot of reasons why that's not wise. Don't do it. I'm going to, though. Um, this is one of those classic like dad moments. You, you're... You do that, yeah, but you, you can't. Yeah, so, um, I, I do it, but you, you can't. I was talking with Kevin Sowers the other day. We had lunch together. And um, if he wasn't such a nice guy, I could have strangled him. Um, he asked me the question that a lot of people are asking me lately. And it's this question that I know they intend for good, and I mean it for evil. Um, no, I... <laughs> No, he says to me, he says to me, so Abby's graduating high school. She's going to college. Yeah, how are you guys doing with that? We love it. Can't wait. Can't wait to have an empty home. Can't wait till all the kids are just gone. We love it. Bye-bye. And he meant it very kindly, and we had a really good talk about it. And that's how... Many people have asked me about that lately, and you all mean it very kindly, most of you, and it's good. It's a good question, and I do, and it is good for me to talk about it. So it was very kind of him. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Many of you, like Kevin and Julie, are empty nesters. Your, your little people have, have grown up and they've had the audacity to leave. They, they come in your house, right? They come in from the hospital. You remember carrying them into your home and then you turn around and the little doofus decides it's time to, to go do their own thing now. To go be an adult human somewhere. And that's the moment the, the illusion is shattered, isn't it? The illusion that you were ever their keeper. I was never their keeper. If I'm their keeper, they're in all kinds of trouble. They're in all kinds of trouble. We're not their keeper and we never were. The best thing we can do is echo number six and say, the Lord bless you and keep you. People come into our lives and people go out of our lives. Life is full of of coming in, going out. What is our only hope? What is our children's only hope? What is our grandchildren's only hope? What is is the the, the people in our lives that we've we've moved away from years ago? 
Or they've moved away from us years ago. Friends, relatives, neighbors, church members. Life is full of of people going out and coming in. Coming in and going out. What is our only hope for all this? What is my only hope from this time forth and forevermore? Not just in this life, but in the life to come. Our only hope is Jude 24 and 25. Our our, our only hope is the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. Our only hope is the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our only hope is the Gospel. The Gospel that says, Jesus Christ our Lord knows full well our life of going out and coming in. Jesus went out. He left the splendor of heaven. And He came in. He came into our broken world. And He came into Jerusalem. And He lifted up His eyes to the hills of Jerusalem and He saw danger that none of us will ever have to face. He saw the danger of the hill called Calvary. He saw the danger of the cross. He lifted up His eyes to the hills and He said, My help comes from My Father, the Maker of heaven and earth. And then He laid down His life for us. So now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for these psalms. So much in here for us. So much good comfort for us. So much good wisdom in here for us. We thank You that You tell us what we should know, what we should remember, but we need to be reminded that You are our Keeper. That we need help. We need help. We need You to keep us alive. Even when there's nothing in our life necessarily stressing us out, we depend completely upon You and upon Your grace and upon Your strength. In You we live and breathe and have our being. And so we thank You for the times that You remind us that we are dependent upon You. And we thank You that You have made heaven and earth so we can trust You with anything that happens under the sun. We thank You for the friends that we have that come alongside us and just speak the truth to us. And they, and they tell us, yes, yes, keep going. Keep trusting God. He's taking care of me thus far. He will take care of you. Yes, the Lord is Your Keeper. We thank You that You never slumber nor sleep. You never get tired. You never doze off. You never, because of any kind of constraint, ever have to prioritize anyone else over anyone else. You are, you are good and You are gracious. And You are able to infinitely multitask. You never grow tired and because of Christ, You never grow tired of us. And we thank You that You will bring us home. That You will keep us through all of our going out and all of our coming in. You will keep us. Thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.